You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 284. Today, we are going to discuss the very nature of reality. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 3 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode, edition, call, chat, hangout sesh with me, your host with the most, James Wedmore, here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Hope you are doing fantastic. Hope you're doing well. Appreciate all the love and the support, the sharings on the grams, the reviews. You're amazing. If you haven't submitted a review yet, go ahead Log into your little iTunes account, leave that review, take a screenshot of it before you submit it, send it over to customer success at jameswedmore.com. That's customer success at jameswedmore.com. And uh, we got a little gift for you. It's an eight part free training series on the eight massive blocks and limiting beliefs that hold entrepreneurs back. I just want to shout out so many of our amazing listeners who have been leaving unbelievably kind reviews. I just really uh, appreciate it. Cassie McKenzie, M. Watson. Some people have some uh, nicknames. So that Texas mama, great name. I like winter. Fiona listens to James. That's a great name. Irby Love 54, playing with possible. Jams V, Augie Wan, Lindsay Means Hair, Mindy Webner, and Terry Best. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. really appreciate it. That was just a fraction of all the amazing reviews that have come in. All right. I want to get right into today's episode because I know you're hungry. You're chomping at the bit. And uh, we're going to do something a little different. I don't know if it's a little. Every episode is a little different, which means they're all the same. <laughs> we're going to talk. I, I titled this The Nature of Reality slash Question Everything. I'm going to push some boundaries and some buttons today. Maybe. That's kind of my job, if you haven't realized by now, is that I'm here to kind of get you to question things. And it's time you start doing that yourself. It's time you really start questioning everything. That's what this episode is about. And at the end of the day, successful entrepreneurs, they question the norm. That's how they became successful. They created something that no one else could see. They did what no one else was willing to do. They took those risks They went against the grain. And it really starts with questioning everything. Everything. There's a fantastic quote. I'm sure you've heard of it by my good buddy Socrates. I think he tweeted this. Wisdom is knowing how little we know. Wisdom is knowing how little we know, which means when you accept the fact of how little you know, you can stop going around thinking you know everything. This is the way it is, James. They say this. By the way, who's they? I'm still trying to find the elusive they. Well, they say that blah, 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 well, blah, blah, blah. Who the F is they, (laughs) right? Have we ever asked that question? And that will open up a whole can of worms of who they are. Anyway, we're not going to do that today, but we are going to start questioning. This is the way it is. This is how it goes. This is how it's always been. I have so much evidence. Yeah, 
It's time to question all that evidence. It's time to question your model of the world. In fact, if we take a look at what mainstream science tells us, there's this thing that we learned, most of us in high school, called the electromagnetic spectrum. This is a term, it's a term used in the scientific community that's used to describe the entire range of light that exists in our universe. Okay, so there's things like you've heard these things like gamma rays, you know, like x-rays, like when you go get an x-ray, if you have an infrared sauna like I do, right? But I, I sit in that sauna and it's got infrared technology. So shooting an infrared ray at me, I don't see it. I don't see anything, right? It's not red. <laughs> when I say infrared, ultraviolet isn't purple or violet. And they're radio waves. You don't actually see the radio waves from your radio when you have an antenna and stuff like that, like off your car, right? But all of these are determined or make up what is called the electromagnetic spectrum, right? And within this range, there is what is called, one of these is called visible light. Visible light refers to what we can see as human beings through our eyes. It's the only band of frequency through which we can see. And here's what's crazy. I, don't, I didn't even get the number on this, but this is a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the entire electromagnetic spectrum. The band of frequency through which we can see with like as light that is visible to our naked eye is still just a tiny, tiny fraction of the entire electromagnetic spectrum. But here's where this is going to give you some chills. The entire electromagnetic spectrum is less than 0.005% of what exists in the universe. In other words, what you see with your eye is a fraction of 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 a percent of what exists. Whoa. Yet we walk around saying, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> right? So I started with this to feed your left brain logical mind with some factoids that will allow you to accept the truth that we really do know so little. And that's, I think, an important place to start because then it becomes easier to question. See, I think so many of us like spend a lot of our lives trying to gather as much knowledge as we can. And I think at one point or another, we kind of just have to surrender. That it's like, there's so much I don't know that I don't even know that I don't know. And that's okay. But to stubbornly hold on to what you've learned in the past and call that the gospel of truth, you know, like this is just the way it is all the time can be uh, rather detrimental I believe, especially for entrepreneurs, whereas the very nature of who we are is to question things. And we're going to get into that. So, so many people are skeptical. Like we've been running this Facebook ad that I keep talking about. <laughs> oh my gosh. And people just want to tell you the way it is. And the thing is, is they say like, whatever I'm talking about, they say is like BS, right? They'll say, this is nonsense. What a joke BS. And I'll say, well, what causes you to say that? And they, and they share their opinion and their opinion contradicts mine. So it's like, oh, okay, okay. So you're entitled to your opinion and anyone else is entitled to their opinion as long as it matches your opinion, right? And that's a lot of what people do is they have opinions that they think are facts. They have beliefs that they think are facts 
And then anyone who comes along and contradicts that, they get all up in arms. And so what most people end up doing is trying to argue and defend limiting beliefs and opinions because it, it's in some way contradicts someone else's. Like the only way that you can get along in your life and get around in your life is when the whole world agrees what you believe in. Thinks like you. What? That's crazy talk. So most people end up being really skeptical. And a lot of people say it's good to be skeptical. Is it? Is it? I mean, I think it can be good and I think it can be very detrimental. But I'm questioning that statement. No, James, it's good to be skeptical. Well, great. Now we're already questioning something. That's what this episode is about. Questioning everything. Is it good to be skeptical? Like, I can't tell you. And I love you guys so much. You know, you know, you hear me say that all the time. But I'll have students who invest and pay me a lot of money. And then I'll be like, yeah, this is what we recommend. This is what we use. This is what I recommend. And then they're like, but why? And ooh, I've heard these other four other. Mm, it's like either invest in the mentor and the coach and stay open and coachable to the coach and do what they say or not. It's contextual. You know, if someone's trying to get you to join a cult, you should probably be very skeptical of that. But if there's someone you like look up to and you want to learn from and you admire in some capacity, you know, let's like lower the defenses a little bit because are you really learning if all you're doing is going about your life looking, sifting, and sorting to find only people that agree with what you agree with. In other words, are you only looking for people that match your model of the world? I don't see that as learning, growing. Okay. So I looked up the definition and skeptical in Webster Dictionary is having doubts about new or contrary information. And you know, I just want to point out that that doubt is there. If you're skeptical, that doubt is there because it contradicts with what you already know. But where did the info that you know come from? It's like, no, I don't agree. I doubt it because it, it's different than what I already know. But where did what you already know come from? You learned something. You learned A and now you hear B and A doesn't equal B. But how did you learn A? Information A, factoid A. Chances are you weren't skeptical when you learned that. So much of what we were told, like what we know today and what we think is true and reality and stuff like that, we learned when we were really little. Like it's scary to think how much of like the world, like even just language. Like when I say the word dog, that's just something we all agree on is sounds and syllables and symbols to represent a dog, but it isn't actually a dog, but we all agree on it. And it's a very simplistic example, but look all around to everything that we just agree. This is this is this thing and this is that way. Why? I don't know, because we were told at a young age. Again, I'm going to really start to push the limits because we should we really be questioning a lot. A lot. So we learned so much about the nature of our reality and how the world works and how we're supposed to be. And I'm going to start questioning these things specifically in a moment. At a young age, you weren't skeptical then. You were a sponge and you just accepted the way the world is because your parents told you, your teachers told you bigger people than you told you, right? You know, and we're just like living in this permission-based world because you're a little person amongst a world of giants and you have to ask permission to do everything. Can I do this? Can I go outside? Can I ask, can I go to the bathroom? Can I have food now? Well, ask your mom. 
or raise your hand. Hey, don't, where are you going? I'm going to the bathroom because my body tells me I have to use the bathroom. Nope. Got to ask permission. And we just start to assume we need to ask permission for the rest of our lives. Right? How much of these stories have we been told of like, you got to work hard. You got to get a good career. Family. Why pick it? You know, all these, look, and I'm not saying these are wrong. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying, notice all these things that we're just told are the expectations of who we're supposed to be in society. I know I, I sound like a total hippie. I'm the modern day hippie. You know, work hard, get a good job. And then here's my, one of my common ones growing up. Thanks dad. Money doesn't grow on trees. We're going to address that too. I mean, it's a metaphor. Obviously it literally doesn't grow on trees, but the metaphor behind it, we can challenge that belief. So we learned all these things as like a six year old. So why aren't you today, if you're going to be skeptical, why not be skeptical of the six-year-old's decisions to accept what reality is and what is not? Why don't you aim that skepticism towards what you've already accepted when you were a little kid? Why don't we be skeptical of that? Why don't we doubt what we've already brought into our and seeped into our like selves at a deep unconscious level? So here, here's really what I'm asking in this episode. I'm asking you to take a good, hard look at your life right now. Sometimes it's hard to do. You know, like take, take an assessment and be honest with yourself. You can try to lie to yourself, but you'll always know when you lie to yourself. And if you're not happy with things that are in your life, I don't know, like the size of your bank account or the state of your business or your health, your time, or just like your experiences. That's okay. You don't need to beat yourself or judge. But just take a, an unbiased, you know, just like kind of neutral observation and assessment of your life. And if you're not fully happy or satisfied or content with what's in your life, it may be time to question this model of the world that you've created. These rules, these beliefs, these this is the way it is memes that you decided at a young age because your reality, the world you see out there that you point to and call reality is simply the reflection of this model. Change the model, change your life. And we can change the model by beginning to question certain aspects of it and challenging it. That's what I've done. Like I did it a lot intuitively, not really knowing I was doing it because I'm very stubborn. See, so stubborn can be good, can be bad too. It's like skepticism, right? But I really challenged a lot and you're gonna hear a lot of examples today. And I really believe that I've been able to accomplish a lot because I was willing to free myself from a lot of expectations of parents, you know, family, society. And I'm still looked at as like the weird one by a lot of people, like by friends and family, but I'm really happy. I really love what I do. I love the life I've created. And when my beautiful, loving wife and I got engaged and moved in together, there was a lot of stuff that she was like, what? Just like really challenged a lot, like a lot of my beliefs for a little bit because it was so abnormal. And I can get into so many examples of that as well. And she's come around. 
she's really come around. She, I didn't ask her to. You know, I just said, this is this is how I live my life. This is how I enjoy my life. I try to really bring as much of that, you know, I had an episode about my weird habits. Those are just some of my weird habits. They can get way weirder than that. And even that, like, freaked people out. Like, how dare you not listen to the news? It's so important to know what's going on in the news. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Especially when you learn who's controlling, and I'm not going to get into conspiracy here, but who's controlling the media and how important it is that they grab your attention and they use fear to do it. So if you had to choose what's more important, your internal emotional state, the frequency that you're at, or being informed about the latest murder in LA, what's more important? And that's your choice. See, I'm not here to tell you what's more important for me. What's more important is how I feel. And when you're in a low vibrational fear-based state, you can't do diddly about any of the world's problems. You're useless in fear and low vibration. That's why, what was the phrase? It was Mother Teresa said, I'll never attend an anti-war rally, but I'll be the first one to show up for a pro-peace. Why? Because she knew that you focus on the outcome, not the problem. Focusing on the problem just perpetuates the problem because you're in the energy of the problem and what you put your energy and attention on, you get more of. And most news, they know to hook your attention, your reptilian mind, we've got to scare you to get your attention. I'm just not, I'm going to opt out of that. No, I'm not saying you have to. And I really want to be clear here that I'm not here to impose any of my beliefs on you because I don't know what's best for you. I do know this though. I'll, I'll impose one belief on you. I believe you know what's best for you. It's about time you start listening to that part of you that knows what's best for you instead of the rest of the world. It's like we give up that power and that trust that we know what's best for ourselves and our entire life is run and driven by what other people need of us, expect of us, want of us, demand of us, think of us, opinion of us, judge of us. That's freaking nonsense. I mean, that ends now. So I'm not going to impose my beliefs on you, but I am going to impose my invitation to you to listen to this episode in an attempt to question for you to question everything everything you know that's why i started this episode with like what you think reality is is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of percent of what it what it really is we don't even we don't know we we want to reach this place where we just like have this familiar like okay i know i know how the world works right so we can just have this sense of safety you have no idea how it works like when you consider the idea, and I've talked about this in terms of like quantum physics and everything, science told us we're made up of atoms. You know, atoms are so freaking small anyways. Then you go look at an atom, you find out an atom's 99.99999% empty space. And we're made up of these things that are made up of empty space, which means we're practically empty space. And if you were to take the point oh 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 one percent of mass of our atoms of all the human beings on the planet and smash them together, that mass, that density, will be the size of a sugar cube. And there's like seven point five billion people on the planet. We're made up of empty space. There's scientific articles you can go Google this that are pointing to the theories that are presented in the book that came, I think it came out in the seventies, the holographic universe, that this is really a simulation that it's not real. It's a hologram. What WTF. And I'm not saying go believe these. I'm not saying go, you know, whatever, but I am saying is that just because you didn't read it in a public school 
textbook when you were 16 doesn't mean it's not real or possible or is what is. I think the one of the most dangerous beliefs that we can continue holding on to is this idea that what we learned in school is all we need to learn about the world and about life. Oh, I learned some great stuff in school, but that doesn't mean when I graduated that I learned everything there is to learn, right? So why did we stop learning? And we could continue learning simply by questioning and noticing the thoughts, the beliefs, those like things that trigger us and kind of bump into us emotionally. Why do I feel this way? Why is this upsetting me? Why am I doing this? Why do I always do that? Why, 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 why? Challenge it. Everything. Free yourself from these these beliefs and ideologies and paradigms that are most likely outdated and not working if you're still here because I asked you to take an assessment of, you know, what's in your life. You know, if things are in your life that you're not happy with, we got we, we got to look. We got to look at the model that we created. And it's really tough because the model is like invisible. So it's like, how do you look at the model? Well, the model is out there when you open your eyes, look around. That's the model. What, what do you see? It's like the fish in water. Fish doesn't really know what water is because it knows nothing but the water. Whoa. So you know nothing but your model because that's all you see. But it isn't reality. It's your experience of reality. Your perception, the way you see, determines reality. But you can change the way you see. And I think this is especially important for entrepreneurs. I think it's important for everybody. But the fact is, is that that model that was given to us, that was indoctrinated to us, handed to us by our parents, our teachers, and society is just simply not conducive to entrepreneurship. This is why I've written my PDF, Hardwired for Entrepreneurship. This is what so many of my episodes are about, is challenging the, the beliefs of society. You know, they're just, it's just not how entrepreneurs think. The tools they gave us, the, the beliefs they gave us don't work for most entrepreneurs. And we don't even have to call this entrepreneurship. We can just call this following your own path. I think a lot of what we were all indoctrinated in is, is a model of following someone else's path. Now, just really consider that for a moment. How much of your life has been around following someone else's path versus carving your own? And like, here's just one to bring up, and this will be a little controversial for some people. You know, people talk about, well, money isn't everything. Well, no one said it is everything. And people say money can't buy you happiness. Well, no, but it can buy you a jet ski. And I don't know anybody that isn't happy when they're riding a jet ski. <laughs> that's a, that's a stand-up comedian joke. That's like my favorite joke. Money doesn't buy you happiness, but it will buy you a jet ski. Now, but here's the thing. Here's, here's what I've, I've experienced. I actually want to challenge that whole thing of like money, you know, and then people go to this, other place of like well the bible says money is the root of all evil and no it doesn't actually it's they say it's the love or the greed of money is the root of all evil here's something that's going to challenge some people what i have experienced is that money in a lot of ways has bought me freedom freedom from the gosh what can i just say like the pressures of society like when you look at People come out of college, they're in debt massively, and then they've got to go get a car, get a place to live. So they immediately have bills, which means they immediately got to go get a job. And, and you know, because you got to get the job, right? For all those reasons, because it's so important to have a job. 
you know, because you got to have status and you're defined, your identity is defined by your job, but now you need a car to get to the job and you got to pay for the car, right? And then you want to live closer to the job. So you got to get that other place and that place costs more money. So you got, got to pay for the place. So now you really need the job because you got to make the money to pay the bills, to do all this stuff. And it's just kind of this rat race. And I really found myself for the first few years that I struggled, like stuck in this, like I got to make money because I need to, to spend the money because I got to pay for these things that, oh my goodness. And you just stay stuck in that, what people call the rat race or the hamster in the hamster wheel. And what I found is like, I think that when you look at like a lot of laws, you look at taxes, it's designed to discourage a lot of small business and entrepreneurship. Oh my goodness, you know. Yet when you push through that, what I keep finding as we make more money, we're more and more free of that rat race on so many different levels and i really believe that like that's what we all want we want to be free of that so money does buy freedom in a lot of ways it's freedom from that rat race and you could even argue that it does buy you happiness because i think most people are going to be really unhappy and unfulfilled in a job that they don't enjoy doing something because they feel like they have to now again you know, people misconstrue sometimes what I say that I think everyone should be an entrepreneur. No, not at all. Not at all. I think you should do what your heart calls for you to do. I wanted to do my own thing, so I'm doing it. I want you to do what you love doing. You've heard me say this before. If you're not doing what you love, if it doesn't bring you joy, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Hello? We didn't learn what our emotions are in high school. So there's another thing that we didn't learn in school. What we're like, you know, what, what we need as a prerequisite to be equipped for life. We never learned what our emotions are. And I really believe, and I've, you know, being the dude and especially a left brain dude, man, I just leaned so much more into paying attention to the way I feel and listening to my emotions. They're the language of your higher self of God. And when you're doing what you love, that means you're in alignment. You're on purpose. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm not saying, oh, everyone go be an entrepreneur or anything like that, or being an employee is bad. No, I'm saying how much of what you're doing today is because what you thought is expected of you, of what you're supposed to do, and you hate it. It drains you. How many times have you heard people say it's the soul-sucking job? It's not the job necessarily that's soul-sucking. It's that it's not the right role or responsibility or job for you. And because it's not, you choose to stay there anyways. It is going to suck your soul away. It's going to suck the joy out of your life. Are you going to listen to that or not? So I want us to start questioning some stuff, okay? Let's start with you. Like, there's this idea... And it might be only in your unconscious awareness right now. So we want to bring it to the surface. There's this idea, this story that you created of who you are supposed to be. And by the way, for those that take the time and really do this work, and maybe even want to pause this episode periodically and write down these questions and journal them, you may have some profound insights here. You might be surprised with what you uncover. But who are you supposed to be? There's this story that you have of who you're supposed to be. 
the person that you're supposed to be expected to be who is that person you know are you supposed to have a, a job are you supposed to make a certain amount of money are you supposed to have a certain type of car are you supposed to be like this do this have a certain amount of friends be funny you know be up to date on current are you supposed to have all these things are you expected to by others and then where did these come from where does this come from most of these is like well it's because i saw my dad do it And I thought my dad was amazing, so I just assume I'm supposed to, right? Or maybe they told me, my parents told me I'm supposed to. Again, six years old, we make these decisions, we never question them again. So who are you supposed to be? And then of course, we never really, most of us, become who we're supposed to be. We always fall short in our minds. And this whole belief gets created of I'm not good enough. In fact, you can kind of check in to feel if that belief feels true for you right now. Are you good enough? Now, there's going to be two answers. There's this conceptual good student who's been listening to all the episodes that says, yes, I know I'm good enough. And then there's that deeper, truer part of you, that language of your emotions that maybe feels like there's some truth to that statement of not feeling good enough. Now, that doesn't mean it is true. It means it's true that that belief is in there. But let's just look at that for a moment. First of all, you know, this is one of the big ones. Like, I'm not good enough or worthy enough. Good enough at what? What are we actually talking about? Worthy of what? Like, what are we measuring? And who's doing the determining here? Like, if you think you're not good enough, according to whom? Says who? Like, we realize there isn't some, like, all-ruling... God or judge determining our worth. Like, <laughs> like this panel of judges out there that are like watching you and then it's like, okay, they're this good enough, but that's not going to cut it. And how do we even measure what enough is? And what, what the heck are we even measuring? What, what determines enoughness? And again, we don't even need to have answers to these questions, but we're just beginning to question it. We have to. I, I did. Why aren't you? Now, for me, growing up, as a lot of you guys know, longtime listeners, I was considered shy, quiet. I'm an introvert. I didn't know that. I was just shy and quiet. I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't like to talk a lot. I didn't talk very loudly. And I noticed most people around me did. They had more friends. They talked more. They had more jokes. They were more just like conversational. So I just one day thought something was wrong with me. Like I just decided. I said something's wrong with me. Why? Because I'm not like most people. And I made that mean that there's something wrong with me. I have a problem. I'm less than. I'm broken in some way. In high school, I didn't talk much. I didn't have friends. In college, I noticed everybody wanted to go out. They always wanted to go out every night of the week. Finish midterms and they don't want to go party. I wanted to hibernate. It reinforced this entire belief there's something wrong with me. And it wasn't until I was about 26 years old, and I've told this story before, that I discovered Myers-Briggs personality types, and I realized that I'm a personality type called INTJ. I learned two things. First, I learned that I'm an introvert. I learned what an introvert was, and I learned the strengths of an introvert. And then I learned that INTJ is one of the rarest, like number two most rarest personality types in existence. All of a sudden, logically some things made sense. I said, oh, there's not something wrong with me. I'm rare. 
I'm just, there's just not that many of me. That's why I'm different. And looking around other people, why they seem there's so many of them one way and I'm the different because there's not a lot of INTJs. And that just gave me a sense of solace. And I'm very grateful I had those, those opportunities in my life to learn things like that because I'm wondering where I would be today if I was still walking around thinking there's something wrong with me. So I wasn't necessarily challenging that, but I just had this opportunity to discover more about myself, learn thyself. And I started to let go of this whole story of there's something wrong with me. And today I embrace being alone, my alone time, being quiet. I love awkward silence. And that's something I don't need to challenge, but you might. You might need to challenge like this idea of like something's wrong with me. Why? Because I'm not like everybody else. Good. Why do we need to be like everybody else? Why would you want to be like everybody else? Because everybody else is trying to be like everybody else. Have you ever considered that there's this like majority consensus of how everybody's trying to be, which is they're trying to be like someone they're not. So if you're trying to be like everybody else, you're also trying to be like someone you're not. It's the very few minority that really step into their authentic selves of just like being who they are, being like who you were when you were a little kid, carefree, plain. The thing is, is if like we're looking at these like not good enough, not worthy enough beliefs, what really helped me too was going like, look, if you believe in a God or higher power or maker, you know, some, someone, something that made you. Do you really think they made a mistake when they made you? Like they got everyone else right, but you? Like, can this be as simple as even questioning what we've been labeling as our flaws and why we decide to call them a problem or a flaw or a shortcoming? Can't we question that? Because otherwise, how much time, how much of your life force, how much of your energy do you waste just trying to hide those flaws from others? But what makes them a flaw? What makes that a flaw? Like I love a lot of alone time. And now I love that I love a lot of alone time. I love that about myself. But who says there's there's flaws? Here's something. I've never told this publicly. I have a huge massive scar on my chest. It's called a keloid. Like I had a lot of acne in high school and I had some on my chest and I picked at it. And I mean, it's big. I mean, I don't know. Let's see. How big would it be? Like, uh, it's like two inches long. There's two of them. It's like two inches and like one's like one inch. I used to be so embarrassed by that. Wouldn't want to take my shirt off anywhere. So embarrassed. It's this flaw. I could probably get it removed too. I'm just too lazy. Because today I don't care. Why is this a flaw? Why is this something wrong with me? Why is this something to be embarrassed about? Why do I have to keep my shirt on? Oh, it's because I care about what other people think. Well, why do I care about what other people think? Why do I care that people see this? Why? I just started asking. I cannot tell you, we're going to talk more about that, but like how much fear I'd have even just like going out in public, like in my own town. But what if, what if you could choose to just see yourself as perfect now? Because what is perfect? Perfect according to whom? Perfect doesn't exist because perfect is an opinion. So whose opinion? You've heard me say this, the key to failure is trying to please everybody. So trying to be perfect to who? To everybody else? You can't do it. It's impossible because everyone else has a different opinion of what perfect is. So the moment you're perfect to one person, you're shortcoming to somebody else. So you're living your life for these other people or are you living your life for yourself? 
perfect is your own choice to just say you're perfect now. And I know a lot of our listeners, you, hi, can accept this as a concept. But when do we begin integrating this like into our DNA and just owning your perfection? I've said this before, but I spent so many years of my entrepreneurial journey trying to fix myself, trying to enhance myself so that I could be good enough, worthy enough, expert enough, deserving enough. And that didn't work. It didn't work. I had to do the opposite. I had to let go. I had to let go of the stories and the beliefs that we're talking about here. The stories that said I'm not good enough. The stories that said I'm not perfect enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever enough. And when you let that go, you realize what was underneath all along is this version of you right here in this moment that's perfect. I mean, that's your choice. And I I don't know what you gained by choosing to call yourself anything less than perfect. See, people are also under this belief that if you're hard on yourself that that's how you'll grow. What? Do you know how much nonsense that is? Beating yourself up and being hard on yourself is going to make you grow? No. What that is, is that's probably one of our parents that was a little tough on us, and we wanted to please our parents, so we did everything we could to please them. And now that voice is just in our head, drilling away at us. It's time to question that voice. It's time to question that strategy, that model, beating yourself up. And it's time to just love yourself because it's that own voice in your head that's beating yourself up. And just like ease up on my friend here, okay? Please. So I think you have a, a, a choice. We can keep trying to be this person that we think we're supposed to be. Or you can just accept yourself as perfect right now. But I don't, I don't think it's both. It's one or the other. And it's always a, that's up to you. But if you're living for somebody else, I don't know how that's going to allow you to live your best life. Let's look at another thing, a couple of things we can question. Why, I kind of already brought this up though, right? Why do we need so many people to like us? Or why do we need anybody to like us so much? Why is it so important to us that we're liked? And look, I've talked about this. I got a whole episode, episode 272. If this is something you're really struggling with, I did a whole episode on it, on how to free yourself from what other people think. Go check it out. It's in the show notes. But here's what I want you to do. Notice how important it is right now that people like you. Rank it on a scale of one to 10. 10 is like absolute important. One, not at all. And be honest with yourself. How important? Scale one to 10. And if it's anything above like a two or three, Why? Why is it important? I'm just, we're just asking these questions. Why do we think it's so important? Why is it so important that strangers walking down the street, strangers on the internet, the person in the line in the bank in front of us, just random people we just meet for the first time. And it's because we think that their opinions of us and what they say about us has some sort of weight or validity or truth to it. We give them that power. We're letting complete strangers define us by saying, I am who you say I am. I am as worthy and effective and smart and lovable as you say I am. Here, tell me, what do you think of me? 
So we think it's true because when we were a little kid, we we're trying to figure out the world. All these people around us, bigger, been around for longer. So we just trusted them to survive and they gave us their opinions. Oh, you're so cute. You're so smart. You're so this, you're so not this. And so we're like, oh, well, they, you know, they're older, they're bigger and they must know. And we, we just never questioned listening to other people. And we believe their opinions are like facts. If 10 people say you're not an expert, does that make you not an expert? No, it doesn't. So now look, scale of one to 10, how much do you like yourself? 10 being, oh, I love myself, James. But like real honesty here, you gotta be real honest. One is like, I hate myself. So I've been real low on this scale before. And you wanna compare these numbers a little bit. For a lot of people, it's more important that other people like them and uh, they don't really like themselves very much. But let me ask you this, if that's you, if you scored really high on the first question and really low on the second question, how do you ever expect people to like you more than you like yourself? It's not possible. By the way, I remember, um, this is always a funny one. I used to have a real fear or like, I was get really self-conscious about doing something, uh, meditating on the beach. Isn't that weird? I'd go down to the beach and I'd be like, this is a perfect time and place to meditate. And I'd have to kind of go behind a rock where like no one was. I didn't want anyone to see me with my eyes closed. What a weird thing. And then if I kind of heard people coming, I would open my eyes and pretend I wasn't meditating. It's like, no, no, no. I was just, I was just closing my eyes and for a second, I had something in my eye. And I would notice over the years how that would change. Until today, I'd just, I'll can sit down in the middle of a sidewalk and meditate. I don't care. I was noticing over time that the difference of being free from, you know, just what other people do or think as, as I'm doing what I'm doing. This is so interesting. Why did I care so much? You want to look for these little things, these little micro fears. Let's talk about the one that uh, my dad would always say to me. I think most dads tell us, right? Money doesn't grow on trees. Well, look, we know it doesn't actually grow on trees, but, but money is made from paper and paper comes from trees. <laughs> that was always a, the, the smart ass kid's response, right? Okay, but it's a metaphor for money doesn't come easily. Says who? That's just something people that don't have a lot of money say. It absolutely does. It absolutely can. Abundance is your birthright. But we got to question even all our stuff around money. Like, how are you supposed to build a successful business, which success in business is measured by money, folks, if you have like a bunch of money beliefs that you're not willing to question? Money can absolutely come easily. And, and how about the, you got to work hard for it. You got to work, work hard to be successful. Well, first of all, we got to be really careful with this one because what does work hard mean? How do you know when you have worked hard? What is the definition of hard work? Because if I give, use the analogy of a guy trying to dig a hole or a ditch with a shovel and another guy comes along with like one of those big, you know, earth mover diggers, one guy's working a lot harder with a shovel than the other guy. The guy with the shovel is going to be more successful. And uh, no, he's going to be working harder though. He worked harder. A lot of people just use work hard on the wrong things because they don't feel like they deserve it, what they want. So they're trying to prove to someone who, I don't know, let's ask, who are we trying to prove that we're deserving to? Think about that. You want more money, but you don't feel like you deserve it. 
Who are you trying to prove to that you deserve it? Who is out there determining what you deserve and don't deserve? Society? Just like the random collective they? Then we're living our lives for them. It's crazy, right? Isn't this crazy when we just start kind of like poking holes at some of this ridiculousness? Questioning it? By the way, even the whole work hard thing, whatever that means to be working hard and what does successful mean, right? Success is your own, define it as you want. But this whole... um even like work five days a week. Where does that come from? Five days a week. There are studies that show between 36 to 24 hours of work in a week. You work more than that. Productivity just drops. Mistakes increase. There are now companies today, which I really want to implement this, but there's some like structural stuff we have to put into place first. But there are companies today that are doing four day work weeks and giving their teams three days off. And their productivity is going through the roof because they challenged. Where is this coming from? Like when people have three day weekends, they have more rest and recharge and more of a life. And and they're excited to come back to work and they have four days to do something amazing. They're focused, they're productive. And they know that after 36 hours anyways, productivity drops off. And there are tons of studies on this. It's fascinating. We just say, hey, five days a week. You know, we went to school for five days a week. So we should probably work for five days a week. Okay, let's not question anything. I remember right after college, I really started rejecting a lot of society's expectations. All my friends started getting married, like 22 years old, 23 years old. They all got their career job. I don't even, I think it's fair to call it their dream job. They got their like what they thought they were supposed to do. Like I'm 22, I graduated, I got to be responsible. And then they had the old kids. That's fine. No judgments. I didn't. I traveled Europe for two years, two years consecutive and not actually straight, like for, what was it? It was like 60 days and then another 60 days. And then I did like, I think I did two weeks, three weeks, something like that over the first two years. I did some odd jobs here and there. And then I became a bartender. You know, I did all these other like random stuff. I just didn't want to go that route, but they all started to judge me like there was something wrong with me. Like, what was that movie, like Matthew McConaughey, Failure to Launch? I don't even think I ever saw it, but I kind of know the gist of it, right? And it's like, we see that person that isn't like, why don't you have the job and the, the white picket fence and all that stuff? I didn't want to at that time. It was just interesting how much I was being judged as there's something wrong with me. Like, James, when are you going to get your life and your act together? That was the common thing. When are you going to get your act together? I'm just so grateful that I had enough self-esteem at the time and self-confidence that I stood my ground. I share this story because I think it's very easy for people to feel the pressure of like, oh, maybe there is something wrong with me. And then they go do this thing that they think they're supposed to do. And that's why I share that is because I'm just really glad. I was like, "Mm, no, because that's not what I want to do. I'm like really proud. Yeah, like good for you, young 22-year-old James. Proud of you son anyway so you know even the idea of like your job as an identity you know it's like that first question people ask like when you meet them it's like well what do you do right and it's so important is it even that idea if you got to dress for success i really challenge that one if you guys saw me during the week like i dress up for events and stuff but i'm in board shorts and a t-shirt barefoot 
and I actually tell people on, I think I've told people on the podcast, I've told other people before, like if you come to Laguna, you'll most likely have a James spotting and um, <laughs> you'll find James in a t-shirt, board shorts, as long as it's summer, like if it's cold, like it's a different story, board shorts, t-shirt and barefoot on the street. Not even joking. Sometimes the sandals are bare feet. And sure enough, about uh, a couple weeks ago, yep, I ran into some listeners of the podcast and I'm like, hey, I don't disappoint. There I am. And I was I was board shorts, T-shirt, barefoot with headphones in, just like listening to stuff. And I really reject that. I, I want to dress for comfort. People come in to uh, uh, when they come for like interviews to the office and they're all dressed nicer and they see all of us and we're just like in very casual attire. And then the first day of work, they come in that same casual attire. But when they come in for the interview, they have nothing. They don't know what to expect. So they, you know, they dress for the parts, right? Little do they know. We all, we all dress in the most like casual, relaxed stuff. I challenge that. I'm not saying you have to. I did. Let's look at some other things that are just kind of like society's expectations, like buying a home. Yes, I, I did buy a home, but I had to have a real deep soul searching conversation of like, do I really want a home? Does Chelsea really want a home? And we really talked about it for a long time. Long time. Is this something we really want? But there's this belief that we've all been indoctrinated into, which is like, it's the American dream. It's like this symbol of success when you buy your own home. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but that was a freaking marketing campaign. That was a marketing campaign by a home developer. That it's the American dream. They were trying to sell homes and they sold to the identity. It was genius. And then it permeated. And of course, they want you to be in debt for 30 years and buy a home. But buying a home isn't the American dream. It's not part of that like, oh, you've reached success and all that stuff. No, it's not. But this is what I'm saying. We got to we got to wake up. We got to challenge some of this. We got to question some of this. Buy a home because you want to, not because society told you that you have to, or that it's important that people see you as successful. That's what I'm saying. And by the way, you want to know a great show that's going to help you question everything. I think I've talked about it a little bit. Maybe I have. Adam ruins everything. It's on Netflix. I'm going to highly encourage you binge watch it because. What they do is they challenge everything you think you know about everything. It's so good. I think it's so good for the psyche. It really is for your soul. It's like wake you up and free you a little bit. For example, I'm going to give you some examples that I learned from the show. Ever heard of the term halitosis? Of course you have, right? It's the diagnosis for chronic bad breath. It's a made up word. Listerine a company that sells mouthwash, which it used to be a floor cleaner, by the way, gross, made up the term. You can Google this. It's on their own website. They own the fact that they made it up. It is not a medical term. It is not a real thing. Yes, it's real that people have bad breath, but halitosis is some Latin word. They just found a word in the dictionary and started saying that it means you have chronic bad breath. Oh my gosh. And they started selling the crap out of Listerine. This is like 100 years old, by the way. Here's another one. These are all bathroom facts here. Showering every day was advice. You know, you should shower once a day, right? Where did that come from? It came from soap companies. And doctors have actually come forward and said it's not that good for you to take a shower every day because there are important oils on your skin 
that are secreted from your skin that improve the health of your skin. I don't know the science behind it. You'll have to Google it. And that you actually shouldn't shower every day. And you're like, ew, that's gross. No, it's not gross. You just think it's gross because you've believed and accepted as a fact that you're supposed to shower every day. I'm not saying you shouldn't shower every day. I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying when we start to look at everything, we can, where does it come from? Where does the idea come from? And now you find out it's a marketing campaign. Here's another one. Fluoride. Holy cow. That's a whole scary one, right? This is kind of before my time, but it was really like fluoride is the bee's knees. It's so good for you and your teeth. And let's put fluoride in your toothpaste, which by the way, I, I switched to um, uh, Hello is the brand. It's fluoride free whitening toothpaste with activated charcoal and some coconut oil in there. That's what I use now because fluoride is awful for you. They've shown evidence that it's um, it calcifies the pineal gland. Pineal gland is in the endocrine system that's connected to your sixth chakra, your third eye, which opens you up to intuition. So, you know, keep taking in all that fluoride. You're just going to pinch off, close down all that intuition, all those new ideas and creativity. But it also leads to Alzheimer's. They've uh, noticed a link in Alzheimer's disease with calcification of the pineal gland. And then, of course, they've linked that to fluoride. But there was like all these dentists saying like how good fluoride was for you, right? So, you know, someone in a lab coat says something's good for you. So it must be, right? Question everything or not. But, you know, we could talk about all society and all these things. But like, where does this really come into play as an entrepreneur? Great entrepreneurs question constantly. Why is it this way? Does it have to be this way? Is there a better way? How can it be better? How is this an opportunity? They're questioning. They're challenging the status quo. That's why they became successful. Most people don't want to challenge the status quo. This podcast was started because I was saying, I was learning marketing and growing my own business. And I was learning all this like spirituality, mindset, mindfulness, like all this cool stuff we talk about. I'm like, why isn't anybody else... Like, why are all these like business and marketing gurus talking about this? I was asking those questions. And then I was saying, wow, why is like with all the information out there on how to do this and launch this and market this and sell that, it doesn't work for most people, even when they follow the steps. Those questions led me to creating this podcast over time. In fact, I remember I was looking for a podcast like this one. It didn't exist. So, well, why can't I create it? Business by design which is delivered in a very unique way and that we have execution guides and step-by-step processes was created. So it's like, why are people consuming all these videos and not taking any action? It's like, this isn't like a Netflix and chill. This is like, take action and build your business. So that's how we created it. Even our live event was based around questioning the model of live events. People come to live events. I said, why do people come to live events? Why do people leave their business, their family, they get in a tube in the air, sit next to some weirdo for five hours, and then go live out of a hotel room for a week just to go to an event. Oh, it's to learn. We can learn from the comfort of our home. So why do we do that? Well, number one reason is because of connections, networking, relationships, human to human connections. Yet most events, you got to sit in your chair, you got to shut up because some knucklehead thinks he knows more than you. It's going to 
tell you everything that he knows and make sure you remember it. When you're at the end of the event, you're just filled with a bunch of new information. Your head's spinning. You're tired. You're exhausted. You didn't get to connect with nearly as many people as you wanted to because you were just a student silently sitting in your chair for three days. I was like, there's something broken with that. How could we make a different event? Those questions, challenging that, create a business by uh, BBD Live, which people say is one of the best events they've ever been to. That's really nice of them to say, thank you, but it's different than most events you'll ever attend. Even how we approach team building. I looked at like jobs I had and I was like, why did companies run this way? Why do they manage this way? Why do I have to look at resumes? Screw resumes. I don't even look at resumes. Are you kidding me? I don't look where you went to school. I don't care where you went to school. I prefer someone that didn't go to school. <gasps> what? Yep, I know I would. So we approached team building, hiring, completely different. I don't look at experience. We look at attitude. We look at culture. People that work hard and play hard. We have a very different approach because we questioned. When something isn't working, we question it. Most stuff, it doesn't work. Question. That's what this episode has been about. I hope it's been of value because I didn't give any answers. You know, I don't think I'm here to. I'm here to help you question. I'm here to help you challenge. Think of things differently. Look at it differently. Turn it upside down. Sit in the question. Challenge all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. So I hope you've done that. It's been a long one. I appreciate you hanging out with me this whole time and uh, making it here all the way to the end. So thank you. And really, I just invite you to challenge the way that things are. Challenge the way you've looked at the world. Question everything and look for different new ways of being, new ways of doing. That's what entrepreneurs do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I wanna show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is, this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate, and we can get started right now.